Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. All right, what a wonderful night of singing. Good old Southern Gospel, I'll tell you. It's really good. Thank you for being here again tonight. We're just uh, enjoying ourselves, just getting beside ourselves here this week. And we thank you so much for the freedom that we have and your kindness and hospitality. I'll tell you, just couldn't be any better. I may just move my letter to Sunday if you, or maybe tonight. <laughs> you open up the doors of the church, I may join right here. <laughs> oh, it's been good. Jimmy talked about evangelists. I heard years ago the evangelists, you know, their mode of operation is they pop in, pop off, and pop out. <laughs> and then they're gone. The pastor has to take it. Now, we love Jimmy, and we've said that from the very start, and just appreciate his willingness or his confidence, really, to invite us down here. We don't take it lightly ever. Matter of fact, I, after he called me and asked me would I come, I said, yeah, I'd be glad to. Then I got to thinking about it, and I thought, Lord, maybe maybe I shouldn't go down there, <laughs> you know. But uh, But anyway, the Lord's been so good, and you've prayed for us, and that makes all the difference in the world. You could bring a biggest bozo in the world in here and pray for him. I believe he'd do a good job. And uh, so we just, uh, we're thankful, thankful. Good to be here. Love the story of the old gentleman and his wife. And I think about revival. I always worry. We've been here, you know, Sunday and uh, three times and then last night and then tonight. And tomorrow night, see it, you know, it goes so fast. But I always worry. I say, Lord, don't, don't let us bomb out along the way because we can. We're capable, very capable of that. But uh, Love what, uh, and churches, you know, churches are different everywhere you go. The old gentleman and his wife were celebrating their 65th wedding anniversary, and everybody had left, and they went out on the front porch and sat down and just reflecting on the day. And the old, the old fellow looked over at his wife, and he said, Darling, he said, I'm proud of you. And she looked surprised and looked back at him and said, Well, I'm tired of you too, she said. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so I'm proud of y'all, and I hope y'all not tired of me <laughs> yet. <laughs> oh me, yeah. Well, you had a we've well, had a good day, busy day, and I know that you have, and uh, we just greatly respect your time and your, uh, you know, your lifestyle. I know I know how that is. We all live such busy lives. We're reading out of Joshua tonight. The uh, Sixth book of the Bible, first five are written by Moses, and then uh, we're going to read about his uh, predecessor, uh, or rather his uh, follow, the one that followed Moses, and uh, uh, the man named Joshua. What a special, special guy this man was. But we're going to see what he needed is what we need also tonight in our lives. They're coming to a place in their life where they're experiencing a traumatic change. They've been in the wilderness 40 years. They've been delivered out of the bondage of Egypt after their nation was there for 400 years. We know the story how God miraculously brought them out of, out of there. Nothing more embarrassing uh, than for a, a, a commander of an army to have his men drown. It's one thing to be in the Navy and have you folks drown, but to be an army commander, that is very humiliating. Yeah. So uh, God delivered them. Moses was not, not capable. He tried it on his own like we do on our own so many times. And it took him 40 years to find, uh, you know, how the Lord wanted to do things and how he would do things and got himself ready. 
God used Moses in a marvelous way. Came through the wilderness 40 years. Joshua is with him. He's mentioned some 50 times in uh, those, uh, the books and the account of their journey through that wilderness. He's always Moses' right-hand man. And now he's, uh, he's going to take over the commanding position. Coming out of the wilderness, you remember how God provided for him in the wilderness? Uh, they rained the manna down every day. Taught them, to, taught them how to, to humbly depend upon the sources and the provisions of God. What a, what a journey they had. And uh, they had manna. Somebody said they had manna in the morning, manna in the evening, and manna at supper time. And God provided for them. And, and their clothes never wore out. I said, I wish I could get one of those uh, for my wife. The, the clothes <laughs> never wore out. Neither were their feet swollen. Nobody limped into the land of promise. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing thing. But now the, the manna's going to be dried up. And now they're going into a place to where their enemies are massive. The fortification, their cities are fortified. They've got to settle that land. They've got all this new change that's going to take place. And so God uh, comes to them, comes to Joshua, their leader, to prepare them for this change in their life. I don't know about you, I don't like change. (laughs) I don't text, I don't Twitter, I don't blog, I don't Facebook. Uh, My my granddaughters do all that, and I, I say, well, you just help me. When I need help, I just call one of them. I can't even program uh, that little box on my television. I call them over. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't like change. I like things to sort of stay like they are, you know. And boy, we live in the fastest changing time surely this world has ever lived in. I don't like the change in economy. I don't like the ups and downs and all the things that come at us from so many directions in life. I don't like death as a pastor especially. I don't like dying. I don't like funerals, you know. But that's life, isn't it? We all experience these changing. My mother and daddy passed away 11 years ago within three months of each other. Uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, I had three phone calls on that Saturday. I had three deaths, two in my church, and my oldest brother died. The first one out of our six in our family. And uh, that next week, I had those uh, three funerals, you know. I, I don't like that kind of change. But we're here. We're here on planet Earth. And how are we going to how are we going to face life? Somebody said the only consistent thing in this world is change. You know, that's it's going to happen. And so I'm glad that uh, we have this special word from God and we uh, we tried to preface uh, our messages uh, every evening on Jesus' statement John 14:6 when he said I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And Jesus came to provide us the way uh, so that we could be reconciled to God through His death and resurrection. He is that way of reconciliation. And He is the way. He's the equipper. He enables us to live and to stand up to life. Paul said, Romans chapter 8, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us and gave Himself for us. Thanks be unto God, Paul said, who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus is our enabler and that's the way. He is the way along the way. And so when we look into the Bible, we look at these wonderful biblical characters that God has given us. And we see the way that God's people are called to live. 
talked about Abraham one night, the way of faith. We talked about David last night, the way of imperfection. God took the raw materials of David's life. He was by far a man of total imperfection. But God doesn't, you know, he, he takes us in our rawness, in our raw materials, and, and he does the big work, the mighty, wonderful work of reconciliation, restoration, and reforming. And that's what all of us need. We need a God who can do that and who wants to do that. And so tonight we, we're going to see Joshua, and he uh, shows us the way that Jesus enables us God enables us uh, to uh, uh, go through the changes of life that we are all going to experience. So let me read these first nine verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel." Every place that the sole of your feet, your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites and of the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not forsake you, nor I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hermeneutics is something they try to teach us preachers, and every, all of us do that as God's people. We, we seek to know how to interpret the Bible. It's not an easy task. Uh, it's a challenge to interpret the Bible correctly, is it not? And there are principles that we have to understand. I, I love everywhere I go, I try to teach people some real important lessons about the Bible. Sixty-six books in the Bible, right? 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Old has three letters in it. Testament has nine letters in it. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. New Testament has 27. New has three letters, three. Testament, nine, three times nine is 27. So that's, now if y'all didn't get anything this week, a revival, I wanted to leave that with you. Uh, 39 and 27. And, uh, but the Bible is, you know, put together as God did, inspired it. And uh, as we look at the Bible, you know, we, we, we learn to study in the context of the Scripture. None of the Bible was written to us, but all the Bible is written for us. We didn't live there. We were not there with Joshua. We don't claim the promises that God made to this man. We're not the nation of Israel. 
We're not given this promised land, but the principles that are there. When we read the Bible, the thing about the Bible, it goes far beyond just trying to to develop some kind of systematic theology so I can memorize it or I can lay out all the doctrines and so forth in such a systematic kind of way. There's more behind the Scripture than just the letter of what the Bible has to say. When we read the Bible as the people of God, we understand that behind all that God has written there and what He says to these people, we can interpret if we'll listen closely and hear the heart of God as He deals with those people in that day. His heart is the same this evening. And as we see Him, then we can know Him also as He surely and truly was with them. First thing that he says to, to uh, Joshua is the assurance. Two little two-letter words. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. God is a rock. He's solid. And what Joshua needed to know and what we need to know tonight, the thing I love about God is His immutable nature and character. He never changes. He's always the same. And I can count on that Today, tomorrow, and forever, thank the Lord. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. I don't know about you, but I, you know, us, us people, us human beings, we're so changeable and, and so moody and sometimes, you know, how we can get and how we can, uh, you know, be one thing one day and one thing the next. When God spoke to Joshua, remember what he said? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be dismayed, he said to Joshua. You know why he said that to this man? I mean, this is a jewel of a man. This is a man that was second to, to, to Moses. This is a choice of God. He has a, he has a great character. He has a consistency about him. He has a, he has an integrity. I love Joshua. Boy, everywhere we go, one of the spies that came back when God sent him into the land to spy it out. He and old Caleb were the only two that came back. All the rest of them said, man, those folks are too big to mess with. They came back with a grasshopper complex. They said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And, and Joshua and Caleb said, oh no. They said, they're too big for us to hit. And Joshua and Caleb said, they're too big for us to miss. And uh, they, they said, you know, what are we going to do? And they said, we're, we're so small before them. And Joshua and Caleb said, yes, but God is so big in comparison to all of them. This is a genuine man. This is a man, but when he comes to change and he comes to the challenges of life and God says, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Don't be dismayed about what you see with your natural eyes. And why did he say that to Joshua? Because he felt his weakness. He was, he was filled with fear and he was dismayed. He was confused. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the challenges of life, and I look at things that come at us in our, in our everyday living, in our humanity on planet earth. This is a big place. It's a dangerous place. And I'm going to tell you, without the strength of God and the, and the resources of God, we cannot stand nor withstand. But I, I'm so thankful. As he was with Moses, so shall he be with Joshua. And he was with all of them, so shall he be with us. And I want to thank him for being my stable rock. And I just praise him for the journey. I, you know, uh, <laughs> amen, I'll tell you. Uh, I, 
you know, I need to go to him and say, God, are you still there? No matter what. And he's going to say, yes, I'm still here. I need to be able to go to him and say, God, do you still love me in spite of maybe where I've messed up or fell on my face or what? And God's always going to say, yes, I love you. And yes, I'll be with you. And I'll never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. I need to know that in my journey. And especially when life falls out around me or the bottom falls out or my companion is, is, uh, leaves me in this world or whatever should happen, death or whatever should come. I love the little girl and I think she has an essence of the interpretation of Scripture. The little children were gathered around their mother that evening and they were just little stair steps of children, seven, five, and three. And the little three-year-old said, Mama, I want to read the devotions tonight. Big brother and big sister said, Oh, Mama, you know she can't read. Mama says, It's all right. Let's let her read the Bible tonight for our devotions. And she opens the Bible up and puts her finger down somewhere around Genesis or wherever. And she says, Here's what it says. God loves us. And then she flipped over to the middle of the Bible and stuck her finger down in one of the prophets and says, here it is again. God loves us. And she fl- and you know, her older brother and sister, they're just, you know, just rolling their eyes. And, look- and she rolls to the back of the book of Revelation and says, I declare, here it is again. God, God loves us. And, and old big brother says, Mama, I told you she couldn't leave, read anything. And Mama says, oh, yes, she's read the Bible perfectly clear from start to finish. We need to know that. We live in the world that above everything else needs to know that. God's not turning his back. I love what Paul said in Romans chapter number eight. If God be for us, who can be against us? Ah, what a wonderful challenge. What a wonderful promise. And so Joshua, he needed that, and we need that tonight. God is our rock. He's our stability. And he never changes, and we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry as we make the journey and face the changes. Whatever comes or goes, he'll always be there, and he'll always be our rock, our stability that we stand on and face life together. The second thing that I notice is, the, is this promise, and I, I've, I've, I've already said it, but it's a, just to say I've got a promise, and so have you. God's for us. Uh, Psalms 37, verse 25. David said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And then he goes on to say, I once was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I guess if I have a favorite scripture in the Bible, one of my favorites of all is Romans 8.28. And you know, I used to sort of just, you know, I just sort of, somebody was having a real problem or something that happened in their life and, you know, they couldn't explain it. I'd say, well, remember eight, Romans 8.28, you know. I didn't know what it meant, you know. <laughs> I just thought that's a... Good assuring verse. How does all things, how do we know, Paul said, don't you love the confidence of the Bible? That's what, that's what gets us through. We know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to His purpose. I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. I said, God, you mean all things? How can that be possible some things are not good. Many things are not good. 
My mother, whenever I was a kid, I was number five in the family of six uh, children. I tell, I tell everybody I was the fifth pumpkin on the vine for five years. And then my baby brother was born and messed up my playhouse. He's had, I've had psychological problems. He has too ever since. <laughs> but I stayed home. I was the fifth one. And all, my brothers and sisters all went to school. And I was about four or five years old. They'd come home from school. And I got to stay home with mother and Mother's best cook in the world, best biscuits, big, you know, these little old sissy biscuits that you get everywhere now. Mama made big biscuits, and they were left over, and we'd come home from school and get one out of the stove and take our finger and bore a hole and, you know, pour the, pour the syrup in there. She was a good, she could make the best cakes. And I'd, I'd get up on a chair, and Mama would, you know, be, have all that stuff out there, and she'd make all that, and then she'd let me lick the spoon, you know, the icing. Man, I was the baby. I got I got the best of the best. But you know what I, I did? You know what I tried to do uh, several times when she was making cakes? And she wasn't looking. I thought I'd try a little bit of the ingredients. You ever tasted flour? It it, it ain't good. And uh, raw eggs are not good. <laughs> And vanilla flavoring right straight out of the bottle, is, it is not good, I'm telling you. But you know what mama knew what to do? She could take all those things and work them together. And they came out good. And I was astounded. I said, my gracious. My mama can do that. You know what God can do with our life? The good and the bad. The ups and the downs the shortcomings and the successes and all of that, if we'll allow Him, if we'll trust Him, if we'll, if we'll count on His promises, He's promised that He'd do that, and that's what I want to do. I don't know what you may go through in this world. I don't know what I may go through, but I'll tell you what. God will go through it with us, and He'll help us, and He'll enable us to do whatever comes in our life. And I'm going to tell you, he'll know, he knows how to blend it. I may preach on Joseph tomorrow night. My, 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 what an illustration of what I'm talking about this evening. All the things that happened to that young boy, and yet God was behind the scene. God prepares for us, and He anticipates already what, whatever we're going to be subjected to in this world. I understand that. I know that we have free will in our choices and all that, but God knows, and God knows exactly what to do and how to do and when to do. Somebody said, God, whatever trials that He allows to come in our life, He's got His hand on the thermometer, and He controls the temperature, and He knows exactly what He's doing. And the good thing about it is we, we, He makes Himself a available to us. The resources of God are our resources. And He is the one that promises that He will provide. And I'm going to tell you, He'll never come up short. Spurgeon said this, when you can't trace the hand of God, trust His heart. And that's so true. Been many times in my life, what about you? I hadn't been able to see His hand. I couldn't trace it. I didn't understand and I was so, so disappointed and upset and confused, dismayed as Joshua, God said he was. But you know what? He's always been there. He's always come through. Don't know what you go through, but God will come through for you. I promise you that. That's a promise he made to these folks. So I've got a, I've got a rock and I've got a promise and uh, I've got a plan. 
We need a road map in life, don't we? And we have that right here before us tonight. Uh, Joshua, God said to Joshua, he said, Joshua, he said, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. And so we have a, we have a book. I don't worship the Bible, but it is God's revealed truth. And we need this precious Word of God. And it's the truth. It's, we, it's totally reliable. And I used to study it so much, especially when I started pastoring. I guess all of us would have to confess of that. I, I studied it so I'd have something to say. And I memorized verses so I could, you know, at least uh, know what I was trying to know what I was talking about. But you know why I read and study the Bible now? Because I'm scared to death. And I'm dying. And one day, uh, you know, this old world's going to end. And I need to know the Word of God. When I get into the Bible and I listen to the Word of God, I hear the voice of God and it sustains me. It comforts me. It lifts me and it helps me. And I know it's the truth and I can count on the Word of God. It is the very truth of God. And that's what we need today. There's so much that's not true out there. I listen to the news and I don't believe half of it. What about you? We got folks that represent us up in the capital city and I'm saying, why don't you boys get it straight and start telling the truth? You know, I need the truth so that I can live and understand and make sure that I'm going the right way and I'm going the way of God and we have this truth before us this evening. Aren't you thankful for the Bible? One day, uh, I, I'm a handyman around the house. I have a honeydew list a mile and a half long every, every weekend on Saturday. <laughs> but uh, one day, we, uh, our old uh, stove broke down. So I said, uh, I can fix that. She said, this is a gas stove. I said, I can fix that. <laughs> I called Sears and Roebuck, and he's a Kenmore, and I ordered me a of something that went inside, a uh, igniter and all that sort of stuff and some kind of new element. I'd never seen such a thing. And uh, I got up under there and took it all apart and stuck that new thing under there. And I said, all right, here she goes. <laughs> Whoa, I like to blow the house down. <laughs> and then uh, she said, uh, you sure you know what you're doing? I said, well, I thought I did. And then I... Rambled around over through the trash pile and everything, and I got the instructions out. Big old large letters. It said, Re- danger, read instructions carefully before doing this project, you know. And I put a propane gas in a natural gas unit or vice versa. I don't remember, but it's not the same, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> you know the reason the Lord has, has given us the Bible? We need to read these instructions carefully. We need a road map on our journey of life down here. And I'm going to tell you, this is our road map from God. And it'll give us exactly what we stand in need of. Well, our Bible school verses that we memorize every year for our children and try to implant in their hearts is, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. David knew the need for the direction and the truth that comes from God for our lives. We need a Savior. The Lord sent His Son, our Savior. We need, we need power to, to live and to love and to be what God wants us to be. God has sent His Holy Spirit of God to empower us 
and to help us and enable us. The comforter, the paraclete embodies the, the, the people of God and I'm so glad He's the Spirit of truth. And when we open the pages of the Bible, I know that you've experienced this yourself as a, as a Christian. Uh, I, I open the Bible and I can come and, and just get settled down and just get in a quiet place and start reading this precious book and it's different than any other book that I've ever been exposed to. And it speaks to my heart. And it speaks to my need. I'm amazed at this precious book. But it's the Word of God, and we need it, and, and God has provided it for us. And then the, then the next to last thing, I've got a rock, and I've got a promise, and I've got this precious roadmap of God. And I've got, I've got a people to help me through the changes of life. When jo- God speaks to Joshua, He says... Uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And he goes on and he talks to Joshua and he keeps referring to him and them. When God, uh, God placed us here on planet earth, saved us, he brings us into the church, the family of God. I'm going to tell you something. My church is the people that I need along the way. Oh, I need the, I need the prayers of those I love. I need, I need, the, I need the encouragement. I need those that will look me straight in the eye Sunday after Sunday and love me and pray for me and, and support me and help me when I'm down. I need... I'm going to tell you something, folks. We don't make this journey on our own. You need me and I need you. And sometimes I don't like you, and sometimes you don't like me. But you know what? We need each other. And the church is a human, it's a human resource, but it, it's more than that. It's the spiritual body of Christ. And we, we minister to one another. In the pews and up here in the pulpit, there's no different. We minister to one another. I draw strength from each one of you. And I ought to be able to be honest and look you in the face. You should hold me accountable and I should hold you accountable. We're, we're, we're the people of God and we live to love and, and to help one another along the way. I love the story about Naomi and Ruth. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible. And you know the story how Naomi and her husband went down into the land of the Moabites because there's a famine in the land. They had two sons and while they were down there, their two sons married Two Moabite ladies. Death came into that family. Naomi's husband died and then both of her sons died. She had two daughter-in-laws and she said, I need to go back to my country. A widow, a single woman in that day in which they lived, they had no protection. They had no means of, of any a, a man to, to take care of them as they were in that society. And so it was dangerous, and it was not only dangerous, they had no provider. And she says, I must go back to my people. And, and one of the daughter-in-law says, well, I'm going to stay here with the Moabites. And one named Ruth says, oh no, whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. That's her profession of faith, as we would call it. And Naomi and Ruth went back to the land of the Israelites. And when she came in, you remember what her people said? It's Naomi. It's Naomi. You remember what she said? Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Marah. Because I went out full 
and I've come back empty. She bore her soul to that to that people of God because those people were there with their compassion and their love. They didn't kick Naomi and Ruth out. They embraced them. And as the people of God, that's what we're for. Jesus said, by this shall the world know that you're my disciples in the way that you love one another. And I'm telling you, that's our challenge, is it not? Loving one another. My, 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 what a challenge. Uh, I've got a good wife. Y'all, some of y'all... When I told you that Sunday that I didn't kiss her for a year when I dated her, and some of you didn't believe me. And somebody came up and says, I want to see your wife. And I said, well, she'll be here last night. <laughs> but you know what? A special, special companion. My goodness. And uh, she'd been with me through the thick and thin. And my church, all these years, best people I know on this earth are my church family. And I love them so much. And last of all, and then I'll close. We need a people. We need this fellowship. And then, this is, uh, this, I have to be real careful about this. Uh, the changes that come in life, regardless of whether they're good or bad. Because God can, God can use them in a special way. Last thing I want to say is that, through all of life and all the changes that we'll be subjected to, we're going to be better people for it. Don't you hate somebody to say when you've been through something hard and difficult and saying, well, you're going to be a better person for it. I'm going to say, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear that right now. But it's true. God said to Joshua, everywhere your feet shall touch the ground. When you meditate in my precious word and you follow the leadership of the Lord and and you, you just hang in there just like Naomi did with the support and embracing love of that fellowship of those believers. When we just hang in there, we're going to be better for it. All of us. Uh, there's a blessing that comes along the way of life in not knowing it all. <laughs> Don't you hate know-it-alls? I do. <laughs> Some guy said, I got the gift of prophecy preachers. You know... I said, no, you got the gift of a, being a pain in the neck is what you got. <laughs> There's a blessing of not knowing it all. I don't know what tomorrow holds. How about y'all? I don't even know what the day's not even over yet. I have no idea what my future is and what your future is and what any of our futures is. But God, I know this. There's a blessing in not knowing it all. Number one, we should be humble people. We, it humbles us before one another and before God. And then we should be more tender-hearted. It should cause us to be much more tender-hearted because we, we know how life can be and what we all can be subjected to. And then uh, it helps us to accept, I think, the burdens and the disappointments down here. Because we know that there is another day and God's in control. Uh, I I remind my people many, many times, I say, listen, y'all probably don't realize it, but one day I'm going to be a perfect preacher. I say, y'all look at me now. And I said, you know what? Y'all need to really start trying to get along with me down here because you're going to have to live with me up there forever. (laughs) 
and it's an humbling experience on this journey. Amen? Humbling experience. But thank God, Jesus said, He who exalts himself shall be humbled. He who humbles himself shall be exalted. God works among his people. Joshua was an humble servant of the Lord. And as he bowed before God in humility and love and dependence, God lifted him up. When David lifted his head in praise to God, God lifted his head above his enemies. And he'll do the same for you and I. We're going to sing an invitational hymn tonight. I noticed on the paper that was printed there, it's a Fanny Crosby, another Fanny Crosby song. Man, I love that dear lady. Went blind when she was five. And through that handicap, classic example of you'll be better for it, instead of getting bitter, she wrestled with it. She's a real smart young lady. But she humbled herself and just committed herself to God. And she had a vision, she said, or a dream one night. And she said, I dreamed I was in the church setting and Jesus was walking down the aisles and turning to each one in each pew and softly and tenderly calling each one to himself. And she said, I I was sitting in the pew in my vision or my dream. And she said, I knew Jesus was passing by. And she said, I woke up and the words to this song came to me. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others you're calling, do not pass me by. And we're going to sing that invitation tonight. How about you tonight? Where, where are you in your relationship with the Lord Jesus? He, he's passing. He passed this way already this week. He's passing this way tonight. How about you? Do you need Him as your Savior? He won't pass you by if you'll just come and trust Him. You may have deep, hurts and needs in your life tonight. Maybe something in your past or something that you're so worried and concerned and dismayed about in the future. Why don't you trust Him and ask Him to come and help you and lead you through this time. He wants to. He will do it. I can promise you that. As we stand together, let's sing this invitational hymn.